All right, here we are. We are live with uh, Taking the Time. Myself, Ivan Ennis, with Brad McAllister from Metro Time Pieces, and this is, is what, episode two? Are we only on episode two? Yeah, yeah, we really are. <laughs> it seems like we've been doing a lot more with all the stuff we've been doing lately. But um, anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the channel. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for taking the time with us. And, um, yeah, you got anything new going on this week, Brad? Oh, I don't think so. I'm um, just kind of working through the process on uh, on a, a gentleman's uh, custom piece, and I added a nice little gift uh, into that. It'll be a nice surprise for him. Um, just kind of uh, wading through the, the process of uh, producing my first piece. So That's it. always exciting and uh, exciting and kind of nerve-wracking when you're sitting there waiting for uh for production to go through that's that's not always fun but our guest our guest doesn't really have to worry about that because he builds his own and uh everything is pretty much custom so that's going to be cool you want to go ahead and bring our guest on yeah um we have today uh mr richard page of our page timepieces um not enough you can say about his timepieces uh fourth generation watchmaker how impressive is that um, he, I believe he started timezone.com. Um, he sold it a number of years ago, but he started timezone.com and he's just, uh, very passionate about timepieces. And, uh, that's exactly why, uh, we want to have him on to kind of talk about his inspiration and his process on creating these, uh, exceptional watches. Well, here we go, guys, all the way from, uh, Hawaii. Here is Mr. Richard Page. Hey, Richard, how's it going, man? Greetings. Hey. Welcome to the channel and welcome to the podcast and thanks for taking the time with us. Um, happy to have you on. Do you want to go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to the, to the people watching and people that's going to tune in later? Uh, well, you pretty much gave my stats a few seconds ago. I'm a first generation watchmaker. I did, in fact, uh, own and uh, found timezone.com, which I sold, of course, and after that, moved to Honolulu, Hawaii, where I live now. Uh, been doing. I've been in the watch business just about all my life. I started fixing watches when I was 12 years old. Uh, my dad sat me down and every Saturday just to keep my brothers, my brother and I, from fighting. And that was a way of separating us. And <laughs> behind the bench and had me work on watches. And by the age of 16, I was pretty much uh, doing watch work for a lot of for him and for all the other jewelers and watchmakers. Wow. So you already had you already had your path laid out for you. It, it was already determined that uh, that you were probably going to get into watchmaking. What was the one thing that really drew you in and and, and gave you that love for timekeeping? Well, you know, I came in it inadvertently. I didn't. I didn't really wasn't. I didn't think I was destined to do it because I did go to college and studied other something else and get into some other businesses. But um, I always had a passion for watches because when I was a uh, just a kid, my dad would give me watches all the time. You know, being an authorized dealer for a lot of watch companies, I'd get a chance to see all the new stuff as it came in. <laughs> and um, also, uh, I'd get a chance to fix some stuff myself. So, um, and then I used to collect pocket watches when I was a kid, just because it was, you know, fun for me. So, um, I, mean, I didn't really get into my own watch brand until... Um, they had opened up a series of retail watch stores in the San Francisco area. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was dealing in a lot of vintage, and I was an authorized dealer for Yeager the Portugal and uh, IWC, and this is not it, you know, a bunch of nice companies. And and then I started to do my own stuff because I, I realized that I really enjoyed that more. I wanted to do some other stuff, get back into it. And that's when I really approached it from a design viewpoint rather than only a watchmaker's viewpoint. Yeah, you, you know, I, I'm going to touch back on to Time Zone. That's actually um, the first group I was in. I started collecting watches at 19. That's when I it really drew me in. And I was on Time Zone every day religiously. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's very interesting, the, the circles that, that come about within that. Yeah, I can tell from our messages and talking to you all the time that you're, you're pretty in deep, bro. I you know like they have the word term foodies for people who are foodies I call people like you watchies 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely me. Yeah. Uh, when you when you talked about um, IWC JLC and uh, Ulysse Narden, I've had a an 1846. Um, I forgot it was the the kind of the basic stainless steel one. A beautiful watch. I remember I've had one of those. I've had a IWC Aqua Timer. Um, I had a Master Moon with JLC. So it's just like, oh yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like I said, you, you're in deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, Ulysses Narden, that's that's one of the really cool ones. There's so many great designs, so many really uh, a lot of really classic stuff. I know uh, one of the guys that's um, that commented here. He said he loves your work, uh, but Scott Batinger, he he's a good friend of mine, and he I know he's had some really cool Ulysses Narden watches, and um, he had a really cool one. I I think it was one of yours actually that he. Posted not that long ago. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that turned me around about watches, of course, being an authorized dealer, I was the first authorized dealer. And um, I'm not sure the United States, but at least the western part of the United States for Ike Pod and for Lane Schoberstein. And, you know, I've been used to really traditional watches growing up in the business, you know, Rolex and Patek and all of those in Hamilton, you know, traditional stuff that had a, had a, um, you know, they're in a certain design box because that's what worked for them. And then I, these guys were coming out with the stuff just so off the wall that it really turned me around. That's really got inspired me to do my own stuff and to use colors as an example. And, and, and it changed me really, really dramatically on how I looked at um, watch design, being authorized to look for these really more avant-garde, we call them back then, uh, watch companies. Yeah, you definitely have your own. Your, a style that actually Brad and I has been kind of talking about your watches a lot here recently, and we haven't been able to really put our put our finger on exactly what we want to call your your, your style. Um, it, it's phenomenal. Very classic looks. A lot of beautiful, beautiful dial work. A lot of beautiful, beautiful hands. Like what gives outside of you know kind of what you just mentioned on on how it kind of changed your way of looking at um watch design like what where do you pull inspiration from when when you're making some of these time pieces i know you do a lot of custom stuff but what gives you inspiration well one of the things that i've always tried to do is to make a watch for myself because i'm in deep also as you can tell and so i always try to outdo the one i did before me and um it's a challenge and um I don't, I mean, I could go military or I could go so way out there that it's, that it's you know, steampunkish. And I just, I, I don't try to, I don't try to put myself in a box. For me, a true designer, you know, they don't think outside the box. For a true designer, there is no box to begin with. It's just, it's a wide open world. And, and there's not, nothing doesn't um, bring into my, into my ideas. It could be something as simple as a bottle cap or, you know, whatever, just, I want to get inspired. I mean, playing around today with doing uh, custom color cases just because I thought it'd be interesting to do. And there's nothing, there's no where I have to come from as a certain design, you know, direction. I, I, I try not to at all. I try to keep myself way open every time I do a watch. Yeah. Yeah. And when you said that, I'm like, I wonder what um, a W rocket case would look like coded, you know, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> so you definitely sparked something when you said, I'm like, oh, man, what is he going to create that I'm going to want? Because uh, pretty much everything you've been posting lately, I'm like, man, I could love that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm really getting this butt up my up my interior there. Do a colored case. Um, I just think it would be really interesting to do a red case or a green case or a camouflage case or – something really crazy because uh, I'm very into 1950s cars designs. You know, the old, those paint jobs, I think are great, the, you know, the turquoise and the whites and the red. Just I love that, those uh, antique, you know, not antique, but the vintage cars and all of the finishes they have. The color yeah. schemes are fantastic to me. So I've been trying to do a, do a watch that represents, you know, an old Thunderbird from the 1956 colors or something. Something yeah. that always went in that direction. It's hard to do with just a dial and a steel case. Yeah. If I, if I could do some colors on the case, I could more achieve that look. Yeah, and and that it's like that seafoam green. I can't think of the actual name of it, but on guitars, it's seafoam green. I think that, it is seafoam green. I think that's the thing. Okay. 
I can see that. But it's like I'm also picturing like a like a 53 vet with that white cutout and like some, you know, and that like the dial would be. Uh, yeah, I, I can so see how you're. Yeah. You know exactly what you're saying. It's the same. I mean, it's this. It's you know, I, I keep this on my desk for inspiration. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I actually did that. That's exactly what you was just talking about. <laughs> and turquoise colors. Yeah, yeah. Then I got into the problem where I liked it, and but people, it was hard to photograph, get people to buy it because it seems so weird, you know. And um, so it, you know, it doesn't always translate when you photograph a piece to try to translate that to a buyer or to something else to say, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. It's hard to say, but I'll just actually get a test drive, put it on your wrist, and walk around with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. you didn't you didn't have to go there with me on on the um, the on my watch for sure. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's that's a good size. That the way the lugs curve and everything. Brian caught uh, Brian Coach in the in the chat. He says that he would like to see something inspired by an old Indian motorcycle. Oh man, you know those well, Indian Indian bikes. Certainly, that'd be fun. And the challenge—I mean, I—I've tried so many times to make a case that looks like a a car. It just never translates. But um, yeah. motorcycle could be a little bit more inspirational. So you can you can represent things on it rather than try to do the exact shape or something. That would be an interesting idea too. Yeah, for sure. Well, even, even with um, like architecture in general, um, I, I I feel so much the Art Deco in there. Um, especially like some of the design cues you've pulled from the Chrysler building is exceptional. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the only word for it's exceptional. <laughs> it's, it's just, I mean, it's beautiful. Chrysler, I, I could show you one. If, let me just pull it out. My Chrysler building watch is really my, you know, I, I love it of all the stuff that I've done, but um, you know, of course it's hard to translate. Well, you're looking for that. What are you guys wearing today? Oh, I have on. Uh, um, I'm. <laughs> this is. An, I'm this, wearing my W rocket to try to get Brad inspired. This is a uh, <laughs> garage with a, an Illinois movement that I had. I made for myself. Nice. You're not trying to get me inspired. You're trying to get me to buy another watch because you know I want that. your wallet. <laughs> That's my job. Today That's I right. got on the, uh, the prototype again. I've been wearing it a lot since I got it back. I, I went without it for such a long. Long time right. and you know. Great <clears throat> yeah, you did a nice job. Thank I'm really, I'm really inspired by up and coming guys like yourself who do this. You know, think outside, bring some. You know, I know how how much work it is to go and do your own watch brand. I mean, no, it's it's, it's like walking off a plank. I mean, you know, <laughs> on a pirate ship. It's it's not an easy it's not an easy job. I mean, getting a lot of you know, it's a lot of resistance, and people don't understand what it takes to go from soup to nuts to come up with a concept, do it, bring it out, sell it. They all they all they look at at the end product is, well, how much is it? Or something that has no relevance to the real work that went on behind it. And I know price yeah. is important, but I admire that you guys go ahead that you go ahead and doing that. It's really great for our industry. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's that's one of the perfect analogies that I've heard for for that. Um, you know, walking off of a plank, that's, that's exactly how it feels. You know, you're, you, you get everything going and then you head to the edge there. And then that's when you put it out there to the community and you don't know how people are going to react and everything. If, if you're going to get a troll talking, talking bad about it and then you got, you know, that to deal with, or if people are going to really accept it and love it. So, you know, it is a scary, scary moment whenever you're first releasing it and the, and there is you know a lot of the community really don't know the back end of things and and how much goes into putting a watch together um you know it it, it does take a lot oh yeah i mean another thing that we're always grappling with of course in our world is that the traditionally used to be it going to a, a jewelry store and put a watch on and go hey wow it looks really good on my wrist but as you're dealing through the internet and online shopping, it's a lot more, not only do we have to be great designers and manufacturers, we have to be great marketeers to yeah. get the point across of what we're trying to do. Because it's not always that easy to do it in a photograph or a description. Really people, they don't really know if they love it until it's on their wrist. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, I just went through this with Brad, I'll do a watch and people go, 
boy, you look so much nicer in person. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Like, oh, you know, you really don't want to hear that all the time because you it's, it's you want to just get it out so they understand what it is. But it's really, really difficult as you're all finding. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. And and I think so. I remember looking at, at your brand originally, probably maybe a year or a year and a half ago. And I think I reached out to you and we, we spoke briefly back then. And I was looking at the watches. I'm like, man, they're really cool, but they're too dressy. And and now I look back on that, I'm like that was kind of that was kind of very uh, very close-minded, a very limited uh, view. Because now I look on your website and I'm like, man, you've got you've got these sporty titanium watches. You've got um, like the polished um, the polished version that I have. I mean, that's still a very sporty watch. Um, so you have the spectrum. You have uh, like that um, semi-skeletonized uh, steampunk type watch you have on your website. I mean, that's an exceptional piece, and that's like anybody can wear that. I picture that on like some big, strong, like motorcycle type guy, maybe. Um, I mean, that would just fit perfectly in that kind of that persona because even, even those guys, like, you know, you'll see a doctor hop on a Harley and have that leather jacket and all that. So, I mean, it's like there's a lot of diversity in, in what can be there if you look at it in the right way. So, I think that I learned so much from you, Richard that it's just I'm, I'm grateful to be able to talk to you all the time like like we do because i'm learning and i'm growing as a as a watch designer myself um, because of what you do and how i can look at things different and how you you'll say something and it'll just kind of turn my mind to thinking in a different direction which helps me tremendously oh, so and I, I want to add to that like i, I i'm grateful as well you know that there's guys out there like you that open up to guy the younger crowd or the the up-and-comers and things like that because without some of the help that i've had coming up i wouldn't be where i'm at either so being able to learn from you guys that's already been down that road and been doing it for years and, and really perfected your craft i mean whenever brad started telling me about you and i went on your website and started looking through and it's kind of funny what brad was saying like you know perception is, is is tricky and um you know for me to wear something that's so classy and everything because i'm such a big guy and stuff it might look a little funny but there is plenty of pieces on there that would go with certain things you know and and, and it, it's bad because i really like that style but then i do kind of feel like i hold back from from buying things like that because of of the image that i put out otherwise you know, one of the things I've learned about about trying to market on the, on the online is that um, oftentimes I will photograph a watch with a wild band. I mean, you all you all know that. Did you like you like him? I know Brad knows. He's you know he likes he like he's showing me this beaver band that he had. I mean, all this really exotic stuff, but I really love that stuff. And it's photographs really great. As an example, this watch, I I it's my photographer. And I love the strap on it because it photographs great. Yeah. I don't know if you can see it very well, but there we um, go. It's got yeah, a green. Yeah. It's a really strap. Yeah. But yeah. people get it, they inevitably change the strap. They'll put a brown or a black one on it because they're so used to using that because it's so overly dramatic wearing it with a colorful strap. And but but it really draws the eye in when you see it as a photograph because it really makes a whole statement. And because to me the the, the dial is, is everything. And the case frames the dial, just like a painting. It frames it, and then the strap completes the picture, makes it makes it personalized. And um, so, one of the things I've learned to do is that I try to photograph with with as exotic a strap as I can. Sometimes it turns people off, thinking, "Oh, it's too dressy, or I'm not going to wear that, or whatever." But you know, you got to you got to get their attention, and then inevitably, if they get it, they'll they'll put the strap on that they really love in their in their own right. Yeah, I mean the eyes go to the center, the straps on the outside, and then it, you know you work your way into the into the center of the dial, and and it's true. Um, so that as a marketing tool would would be helpful. Um, you know, having those exotic straps like that. I don't have any because, like like I said, I'm a big guy, so most of the standard straps don't fit. <laughs> so I gotta uh, I gotta have some makers make it. They 
got a big old meat hooks. <laughs> well, that's still, I mean, still, you can you can get some really interesting straps made up for yourself, which I, you all know people who make custom straps. That's a, makes a big difference on a on a watch. It's like that watch that you and I are playing with that you have that you have your wrist. Brad, you ended up putting a different strap on, even though we, you and I went through days and days of try, trying to find just the right strap for it. And you got to go, because oh, I, I didn't like it to begin with. I thought it was overwhelming. To me. But you found out when you got it, it was like, oh, yeah, I think I'll, I'll tone it down a bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one looks great, man. Yeah, that, that whole piece came out good. The strap looks fantastic on it. It looks almost like the dial has, like, enamel on it. Like, it's so... Like classic look, it's so badass. Yeah, they need the dial. Is, the dial's a hundred years old. Yeah, wow. it is an old dial. Yeah. Okay, well that explains it then. Yeah. But I converted, I converted the second sub second dial to a rotating disc. But um, wow, the dial is original from from the night I think nineteen oh two that was made. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And <laughs> yeah, see, that's a really cool thing about what you do is taking. Taking something that's been been around for you know over a hundred years and, and breathing new life back into it—that's that's one thing that I really love about a lot of of just just horology to begin with because you know we're taking something really literally as old as time and that's what we have to work with and and you know like you said the sky's the limit it, it, the brands that put themselves in a box. And, and and stay pigeonholed to one type of design and one type of thing you know their brand may sell and stuff but i guarantee you they're not having fun like you are or not having fun like me or brad or well see, i mean the, the challenge is, is that the the general design of a watch hasn't changed in 150 years you know the, the actual and, and basically in the wristwatch world it's just you know how many variations on a on a circle can you have or a rectangle or a square. The challenge is is to do something that I mean, my one of my goals from the very beginning, and if I couldn't achieve it, I wasn't going to do a watch. Was that I wanted to be people to be able to recognize my watch from ten feet away. So from ten feet away, if they looked and go, oh, what is that? Looks is that an Omega or is that a you know a knockoff or you know just and that is so different that people look and oh that that's a Richard Page watch and that's not a. That's not something that's because I want it to be obvious. And that to me was important. And if I couldn't achieve that, then I didn't see a point for me doing a watch because anybody can, anybody, there's so many great watch companies out there producing interesting stuff that I, I didn't want to go down that route. I wanted to be different. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. well done. <laughs> you achieved it. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I was, I was sitting in the dentist chair yesterday and, and I was wearing this and, um, I was just kind of, uh, I actually took it off and uh, I hate the dentist. So it makes me, it makes me very nervous to go there. I have a definitely an irrational fear of the dentist, but so I took <laughs> my watch off and I was just watching the, the oscillation and it kind of got me in a little bit of a calming trance, you know, and the guy came back and he's like, Oh my gosh, what is that? And I'm like, Oh, it's this. And, I, and I'm like, we don't have time to go into it, but this is a very special watch. <laughs> so I got to call it the Valium watch from now on. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> can you can you make That's a nice effect? <laughs> yeah, so it definitely uh, it just kind of calmed me down a little bit. Uh, so, but the guy's like, "Oh my god, that's beautiful! What is that?" And I'm like, "That's that's the movement of my watch." <laughs> I want to show you guys my uh, my Chrysler building watch because this is oh yeah yes. Yeah. So if I don't know if you can you can see it, but you remember the Chrysler building? It has this. Yeah. Thing yeah. on top on the yeah. lugs, I made the eagles from the from the uh, gargoyles sticking out from the top. I don't know if you can see that on there. Man. Yeah, that's I mean, wow. it's, it's that's it's an incredible design as as all, I mean yeah, yeah, that's phenomenal. That's doing stuff that that like you said no other company no other company is going to do something like that, and and that really really stands out. Well, that again achieved yeah. my goal of like from ten feet away. Absolutely, you achieved it. Yeah, you're not going to you're going to know that's something else. You're not going to mistake it for another watch. Really, my goal is. Yeah, and man, and I feel incredible. I feel that way. This same way about um, the crash cave. I mean, all your cases are very distinct, but. The, uh, is it? Am I saying that right? Is it the crash case? Is that the proper yeah, way the to address? Crash, 
29, yeah. Yeah, that's the case name, right? Okay, and I feel the same way about that because it, it has like, uh, it's like, it's, it's hard to describe because it's a square, but it's not, I guess, uh, is that a trapezoid? Is that the right term? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a trapezoid. Yeah. 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 So it's a trapezoid, but then you've got these like nice kind of cuffs around the top of the trapezoid. I mean, it's just like, I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a loss for the words because it's like, how would I even come up with something um, this radical, but but there it's 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 radical but it's not too radical it's so it's like this is something that that i can see myself wearing if i put on a tux or if i was dressing up and again that's kind of where i go to that that dress phase is like that's just so classy in my mind but so different you know see, i don't see it as a dress watch that's why see that's that's the thing that makes the world go around we all see things i see it as a very casual watch so again it's yeah. um, Everybody has their own idea what it's like. Yeah. yeah. That that so watch. Gonna, was, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead because I was going to change the subject. But go ahead and uh, finish with that watch. About about how I get some of the watch designs. I had a uh, couple of stores in the San Francisco area that specialized in Art Deco, and um, uh, I design I designed this. Um, a friend of mine he had a glass factory, and he had original you ever seen blue glass mm -hmm. it's blue glass mirrored back it's really amazing stuff it's made in italy in the 20s or something or 30s he had a whole sheet of it and i i we designed these mirrors out of this blue glass and we used very very art deco designs and um and i had it in my store in sausalito california and um and i remember i on a whim i said i bet i can get these in a department store macy's and my friend says, no, they're too radical, the Art Deco. People aren't going to understand it. And I said, well, you know, I don't know, let's try it out. So I called the guy cold turkey and I said, hey, I got these great mirrors. You should come look at them. And I, I said, well, what I'll do is I'll hire Because my friend said it's really hard to get these buyers to come over. So I said, you got to be clever to get people to look at your stuff, as you all know. Mm -hmm. So I said, look, I'll send the limo over to, your, to Macy's downtown, pick you up, have lunch and a beer in the back seat, and bring you <laughs> over to the mirrors and I'll send you back. He goes, no, 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 that, that was a great idea. I'll just come by in the way, and since I live, I'm, I'm coming into the city from that way. So just before he came in, I had like 20 mirrors in the wall, all these Art Deco things shaped like watches almost, and I put sold signs on 10 of them. <laughs> <laughs> so when he walks in, he goes, oh, man, you're doing really great with this stuff. I go, yeah, yeah, they're flying out the door, you know? So he, <laughs> That's awesome. He ended up giving me a big order. When I was using I, and the funny thing is, I was using watch concepts for these mirrors to, you know, for just as show pieces. <laughs> That's awesome. That's an awesome right. story. So I need to throw some stuff on my website and just put sold out. <laughs> yeah. I go, I'm going to have to go back and add the Hercules and put sold out through it then because that might help. <laughs> yeah, it, it might. That's a, that's a true story. I mean, it, yeah. And plus, that was a piece of work that you did anyway, you know, so yeah. you always want to show it. Um, so coming up through, you know, growing up in the business basically, and then, and then getting your start, what was one of your biggest hurdles that you faced in the watch business? Well, it was, it was more of a personal thing. When I, when my, I'm fourth generation, my dad, my great uncle, my, you know, my great, my great grandfather. And, um, one of the things that I grew up with was that watchmakers weren't considered prestigious jobs. I mean, they were like electricians, plumbers, they're more like plumbers than anything. And, um, you know, I was kind of like, I didn't want to be a plumber. I wanted to do something more important with my life. I thought and it was kind of a personal thing. I said, oh, I don't, I don't want to be like my dad. I wanted to go out and, and um, achieve something else. And I didn't, I didn't want to live in New England. I hated New England when I was young. So when I moved to California, I, um, I, I actually moved to California to go to graduate school. And um, I was completely flat broke. I didn't have enough money to get enough money to pay for the tuition. So I figured if I lived in California for a year, I'd get a citizenship and I'd get a, you know, I'd get the cut rate state state tuition on colleges. So I started figuring out how I got to make some money. So I started, you know, I, 
I never even had to make more than one phone call getting a job as a watchmaker. Mm -hmm. So I started doing it, and then I realized, hey, this is a lot more fun than I thought it was because I wasn't <laughs> working with my dad, and and I was I wasn't in a small town in New England, and it was more exciting. I was like a unique person uh, back then because not many people did watches. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Even today, people don't repair watches. So I was kind of unique, and mainly more unique than just being back in New England where everybody, you know, had a, had a profession. So I kind of, it kind of grew on me. And that's when I made that transition that it was okay for me to um, do it and, and feel great about it is when I really started, started to um, take more of a, you know, my own design and my own work together. I don't know if that, I don't know if that helped to explain it, but I, that's. It's no, amazing. yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. We so, had a question. Sorry, go ahead. No, um, what is, uh, so you work with dealing in, um, as like an authorized dealer and stuff like that. So what is one of the watches that came through that you always wanted, but never, never really grabbed? Well, I pretty much had everything that I've always wanted without getting too stratospheric, is that the word, in, in price. <laughs> I've had turbulence, I've had, I've had, uh. You know, I've got minute repeated pocket watches, but um, I'll tell you a great story, though. Um, when I had my store in San Francisco, a lot of people came through with nice watches, of course. They came in the store, and and because um, I was a watch store, and there's only a couple of us in the Bay Area, they, I used to get a lot of attention you know, from people. And this guy comes in, and um, he's got this watch on, and I'm having a heart attack. Oh shit! Oh man, man, this is beautiful. And I'm looking at it. It was a, it was a Patek Philippe Minute Perpetual Platinum wristwatch. Oh, <laughs> just, just, you know, whoa! I've never seen one of those. It's like you know, it's like seeing an, uh, you know, an UFO. And, uh, <laughs> so I said to him, and he's just wearing it around. You know, I said, why in the world would you buy that watch and wear it around? <laughs> well, I'll tell you the story. He said he he's a, he was. I don't know if you remember. It's probably way before your time. There was a there was a um, Chicago Seven was an old. They had riots in Chicago in the late sixties or something. They had the Chicago Seven. They arrested them. They put them all on trial. Mm. And they had it was a real high profile case in the United States. And they had these lawyers who worked for the representing the guys. And he was one of the lawyers. So he was one of these big you know entertainment lawyers. And he said he was down in Los Angeles. Walking around, I think it's Beverly Hills even. I'm gonna make it more cliche-ish. And he's walking around. He had this. He has a gold presidential Rolex on, and he's walking around, you know, saying, "Look, I'm successful." And somebody banged him on the head and took his watch. Mm. So he was so, you know, pissed about that he couldn't believe it. Somebody had stolen his watch. So he said he goes into the store that day and he goes into this watch and he says, "I want the nicest watch you have that nobody knows what it is." <laughs> so he says, "Well, here it is." And he buys this thing. I think it was about the time a couple hundred thousand dollars, yeah. which was astonishing. It still is. And um, he wears it on like it's just a Timex because he, he says no one's ever looked at it twice. He says, you're the first person in the last six months who even noticed it. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't I don't think I've ever seen anybody wearing a paddock. Um, yeah, not in person. I mean, I'd damn near be starstruck to see that walking around Fort Myers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my my girl's a world timer, a fifty one ten world timer. So, <laughs> yeah, probably won't ever see that one on my wrist. <laughs> I'd be too scared, man. I, I don't know. I don't. It's like you said. You know, well, why would you buy that and then wear it around? But you know, when it comes down to it, that's what it was made for. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I I don't like people buy watches and they just stick them in a safe deposit box forever. You know, I mean, what's the point of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely. I want to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I understand the mentality of collecting. But even when you collect cards, you go on drive every now and then, you know, or you should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I drive it all the time. If I if I saved up and actually got like cool old hot rod belt or something like that that I've always wanted, uh, I'd make it my daily driver. <laughs> I wouldn't just make it a weekend warrior. Absolutely. I mean, what's that's the whole point? You only go around once. Let's enjoy ourselves, right? I saw I saw a beautiful uh, 442 convertible this morning. Oh no! I don't know what year it was. It was probably like a, like a late 60s, maybe. What color was it? It was red. 
it's like a dark cherry red but it was oh it was gorgeous I'm like oh like that's a car <laughs> there's a lot of nice uh, cars in arizona you don't get a lot of rush problems and stuff huh yeah yeah, yeah. actually i have yeah. a, a 9250 uh sitting in the garage convertible uh it's called a triple white fox that i'll restore one day all right <laughs> yeah yeah those those one day projects man you can't let them get away from you yeah well, i got a brand new engine ready to go <laughs> so you work yourself um so far i have but i'm gonna have to have somebody you know set it up and, and swap it out i've been watching that car that show on netflix about restoring cars rush to yeah. riches yeah, yeah. Oh, that's man. a good show it's kind of to yeah. me it's kind of the same thing as doing custom watches and it gives you yeah, yeah, take something and make it really really different you know make it something that way beyond what it was what people's perception of what it's supposed to be yeah are those are those the guys in canada is that the canadian no, that's, guys that's, that's russ valley these guys are down in um uh outside of um san diego, san diego. yeah yeah yeah, Tech, yeah. Tech. I've, I've watched both yeah yeah they're like um poe around poe is that how you pronounce it yeah i think so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. great yeah. show they should yeah Watch for watches while people doing customized watches. That'd be fun. Yeah, that would be cool, you know, especially as popularity uh, popularity is growing. You know, I think that um, that wristwatch collecting, especially the micro and independent world, is growing huge in the last 10, 15 years because there's a lot there. There's a younger generation coming in, and and you know. I think that the industry kind of took a hit with the smartwatches and things like that. But now I think that that kind of brought a lot of them people in to where now they're kind of looking for traditional. I sure hope so. Cause I, I'm, I, I saw the Swiss watch industry get destroyed in the late seventies uh, from the quartz revolution and yeah. I saw resurrect itself in the late nineties. Just barely, and then it started to really pick up speed, and you know, after 2000. But the Apple Watch, I mean, I have a lot of friends and people I know who watch collectors, and you know, the wife gave me an iWatch or you know, Apple Watch for Christmas, and they never took it off for years because it becomes part of their environment. And what you know, yeah. it's only you only have you know one real estate for watches on your arm, you know, and you don't want to wear two, so. It's beginning to really make an impact. Of course, it's the biggest selling watch in the world now, and it is making an impact in our industry. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely making an impact. It outsold the complete Swiss market this last year. Um, the the Apple Watch outsold the, the out of the whole Swiss market. The Apple Watch outsold them, and, and that that is kind of scary. But like I said, I do believe that even if even some of the people that are getting them that wasn't really into watches before, I think that it kind of opens up a door and it might be just wishful thinking, but you know, I do see a lot of younger generation coming around. So um, uh, hopefully that's the case. <laughs> yeah. It'd be great if it was. And, and particularly, you know, new fresh blood like yourselves where you're coming up with, you know, different approaches and doing micro brands, which is a really great, great um you know introduction to the world of watches and um it take but it takes a it takes a village you know to to really get people into um changing their their idea about a watch and, you know not relying on a phone or something and not everybody wants to wear them but there's some great stuff coming out and guys like yourself coming out with some interesting stuff and that's that's really important for our world who do you who do you have your eye on um, in either the micro and independent world or, or even some of the mainstream brands, who do you, who is a brand right now that you have your eye on? Well, personally, I like Panerai. Besides my own watches, that, that, that to me, I mean, I, I, I love Panerai. And, um, I used to have some Sylvester Stallone Panerais that I got out of Italy in the nineties and I'm like an idiot. I sold them. But, um, I'm a big Panerai fan. My wife is a big Cartier fan. So, you know, when I, I, I like to give her watches because it gives me something to um, aspire to, you know, make her happy if, if I can with a watch. It's hard to 
part two. And um, so I, I watch with the new, what comes out and, I'm, and, and has a all time favorite because my dad was a dealership. I'm a Jaeger McCultra fan. I used to collect reversos. I love reversos. Nice. You know, when they were cheap, I could collect them now. You know, can't. But um, so because I've been in the business all my life, you know, my, my taste is going to be a lot different than average somebody on the street because I've seen everything. I've seen, I've worked on Rolexes, I've worked on Omegas, I've worked on Hamiltons, I've worked on Bullivis. And um, there's only a few watches out there in the, in the movements that really impress me. Mm -hmm. And that's, so I, I kind of go with, you know, stuff that I'm impressed by and by the workmanship. Did you did you tune into any of the watches and wonders show that they did digitally this year? No, I did not. Okay, well, I was going to ask you what you thought of that. I mean, it, it gave people a, a avenue to tune in um, to be able to watch through their website. That you know, since everything got shut down because of the virus, um, it gave everybody a chance to still all these brands to still still show their new products coming out, and it gave us as enthusiasts a chance to check everything out um of course it wasn't a person but it's still something you know it it, it gave the community a, the feeling of not being left out yeah, yeah, yeah you know i try to this may sound a little off 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 kilt but it but i try to explain it i try to put blinders on when it comes to um other watches because i don't want to be influenced by anybody else I, I don't want my watch to, I don't want somebody to say, oh, that reminds me of. And um, if, if I find if I put blinders on and look at it fresh each time I sit down, then what I produce, what the, the outcome is going to be, is going to be different than something anybody's ever seen before. I try that anyway. And um, I try not to do a lot of looking at other people's work. I just don't want to be influenced by something that's trendy or that I think is clever and then I end up implementing my own. I want them to have to have that arena with their own cleverness. I don't want to steal their clever idea. Let's come back to um, to what impresses you. And you mentioned Panerai. So um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on all these brands with new in-house movements such as Panerai? Well, is that a fair question? <laughs> I, I just, um, I, I, being, being a, a person who studied the history of watch making, I, I understand that an in-house movement is a very elusive term because it's not one company doesn't usually do everything in-house. And I'm used to seeing, as an example, uh, mid-century, mid-20th century Cartier watch is a super, super collectible. I mean, it's a big, big market for that. And most of the stuff that's in those movements, like EWC, European watch company. But what they actually are, are Jaeger Le Coultres. Because Cartier didn't want to promote Jaeger Le Coultres movement because they thought it would diminish the Cartier thing, so they made him name it EWC. So there's all these little, it's a very incestuous world, Swiss watch industry. They all kind of work together. I mean, and now with these guys gobbling up everything and every name, you know, uh, the Swatch Group is, is, you know, how many watch brands they have? I don't know, two trillion? And, um, and so, you know, so an Omega is an in-house movement because it's owned by Swatch. Yeah. So, I mean, and then is, is a Hamilton an, an in-house movement because the ETA owns Hamilton? I don't know. I don't know how to answer this. And the theory is so gray now that I just don't have answers for it. I try not to get too political about getting stuck on, oh, it's got to be in-house movement, because I know nothing is really in-house anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, true. Because when I think of in-house, and, and I haven't definitely kept up with with that part of the the watch world, but when I think of in-house, I think of Paddock, and I think of, um, I think of Rolex. And when I think of Rolex, I think of um, how Tudor's evolved to, I'm pretty sure, and I think, and, and I'm not sure about the Breitling component of that, but I know Tudor and Breitling uh, teamed up to create a movement for. I think that the Tudor, the Tudor movement is used in like the Breitling time only. It's not a chronograph, so it was interesting that Tudor did that with with Breitling 
being that Rolex is the power is the the parent company to Tudor, but it's almost like a power play on Breitling too. Is to you know, I I I thought to myself, why would Breitling put themselves in a position to where they're using Tudor movements, and that being a lesser brand than Rolex, when a lot of people think of Rolex and Breitling as kind of in the same realm. Am I, am I just rambling or does that kind of make no, no, sense? No, but you get into, you know, again, a gray area where it's so difficult to draw those lines. Um, I, you know, it's, a, it's these questions, I'm, I've been dealing with these kind of questions since I owned Time Zone back in 1996 and 7. You know, what's an, and again, it's, um, I, I don't know how to answer that. I really don't know how to answer these questions. Uh, there is a lot of political stuff that goes on in the back end that, that a lot of people don't, I mean, there was the issue a while back with the, uh, I don't remember which exact model it was, but TAG was using movements from Grand Seiko and then they they didn't want it to be a Japanese movement. However, it, it was still phenomenal movement, but they still didn't want it to be known as a Japanese movement. So they, um, they, sent it through like another company or something like that to bring to be branded as another company and made swiss now all of a sudden it's a swiss movement because it traveled through switzerland you know what i mean so uh, i don't remember the exact story of what happened with it but i do remember there was there there was the issue between uh tag using a uh, uh, grand seiko movement and you know at just you know grand seiko is is, is a beautiful made and a phenomenal watch so there's just you know like you said it can be very political so it is hard to answer those kind of questions the watch industry oftentimes is smoke and mirrors and absolutely um, you know i think same thing when i when i did my own watch because i had been because i was a well-known person in the industry i i went through some you know Thought process when I first started it, I said, if I'm going to do my own brand and sell it to other people, I'm going to be really uh, judged because people know me because I was a watch guy from Time Zone and I saw, I found the place. So, you know, if I don't put out something that's spectacular, I'm going to get dumped on. I'm going to, I'm going to be right out of the gate. I'm going to get dumped on. So I was thinking, how can I do it? I came to my own house movement. I'm not going to invest $5 million in a, in a building, a company that produced in-house movements. And, um, and I wasn't about to buy like Etta movements at the time because then I'd just be another Etta product. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I thought long and hard on that. And then I realized, well, the only thing I can use that's, that's super high quality and I, I can get for myself and control would be antique American pocket watch movements. So that's why I, I picked that. I could have picked anything, but I picked that because it, it had a great story. And when you, as you know, when you market a watch, it needs a great story. Mm-hmm. It has to have a story behind it. Like your watches with, the, you know, with the planes and this something has to have a story. So it gave me something to talk about other than just, well, here's my watch. And I know the movements in a lot of other watches, but my case sure is great, isn't it? You know, so mm-hmm. the point is I had, I needed, I needed a great watch for my foundation to build upon. And, um, and then I use, I use different movements now. I'm not married just to using antique pocket watch movements but i i do still love them and i enjoy working on them and i think it's a great visual product when it's completed but um i know a lot of people grapple with that because in order to differentiate yourself these days there's a lot of redundancy in movements itself because you can't we don't have the access to the great movements and if you do it puts the price point way out of where you want it to be so the only thing you have left is your marketing and your design. And that's where you have to be super clever. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, that's, that's what draws me in is the movements, um, the American pocket watch movements that you use in your watches for sure. And, and a lot of the watches. Um, and you're right. You, you're talking about like the opportunity to find these certain movements. We've had a lot of conversations about that. And um, I've actually looked for a Maximus, uh, Riverside Maximus movement several times. Um, and like, my God, I think the last one I watched went for like 400 bucks. <laughs> oh, I had, oh, yo, let me show you this one. 
I've like, got two of them right here. <laughs> <laughs> the very first uh, Chrysler building I did. Oh my gosh! Can you see it? Oh like, yeah, yeah. The that's a gorgeous yeah. movement. Yeah, oh, I was yeah. going to do yeah. Maximus's in this watch because I only have six cases. I only made six. Wow. They're all handmade. They're not. I didn't manufacture it. Wow. But I said well, I'm only six watches. Everyone movement's got to be, you know, top of the line. Some top of the line American pocket watches and Maximus, of course. So, yeah. but it's hard, like you say, it's hard to get them. Yeah, yeah. You, know, yeah. you brought up a really great point when you said that you know, for for younger brands and stuff, you know, we are limited you know, because we can't do in-house movements. I mean, we can. If we were to do that, our price point would be way, way skyrocketed, and so we we are very limited and and design and marketing like you said that's that's the that's the key to some of the younger brands um but being able to do what you do and and re repurpose the movements and stuff it, it's really great but then then your issue is then now sourcing yeah, yeah. i mean having movements see it was it was easy for me because when i started my project i said if i'm going to manufacture you know, a couple of hundred watches, I'm going to need a lot of movements because it takes me three movements to make one movement because I like, I, I'm pretty much trying to keep it as cosmetically great looking as possible without getting overboard. So I'll take parts from other from other movements to make it really great looking. But I, I, I bought 600 pocket watch movements <laughs> first out of my project. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of dials and a lot of movements. You know, I, I don't have a problem getting, getting, uh, getting product for my movements but what i do run out of is great ideas to make great watches that's what it really where the rubber meets the road because you can have a great movement and if it doesn't if it isn't executed properly with a great case and a great dial people still aren't going to buy it yeah true and i mean that's that's the thing seeing some of the dials that you've created um or or found i mean just some of those hundred year old dials that are they're silver and they're like hand etched and, and decorated. It's just, yeah, those, like, are done, those are done by the masters and, yeah. and, and to get someone to do that today, it would be so expensive to produce one of those dials out of sterling hand engraved with gold numbers and all that. I mean, you'd spend a couple of two, three, four thousand dollars to pay somebody to make it because it's the labor and all that. But this way I still can, it's like, for me, it's like a treasure hunt. And I'll, I'll look high and low for these things because I know what I'm looking at because I, I can recognize what's great and what isn't because I've looked at so many of them a lot. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because, I mean, I've only been collecting pocket watches for like a year. Um, that's, that's the funny part is um, I jumped in headfirst and I've learned so much in a very short period of time. And, but when you post some of those dials, I'm just like, where did he come up with that? Like, that's exceptional. Because, I mean, this is like the, the rarest of the rare. I mean, I've, um, I collect a lot of military pocket watches. So I have a, a lot of the Hamilton GCTs, the Elgins. I have, a couple, I have a, even a couple of Walthams, which are the unicorn of the, the trio because there was only 5,000 of those made. But, I mean, 5,000 is a, a, a whole bunch compared to some of the some of the exceptional dials that you come across and you're like, I'm finally going to put this in a watch. And I'm like, what were you waiting for? <laughs> I've, been yeah. a lot. I've been lots of dials that I click. You got to, you got to understand that the, the watch companies did not make the cases, nor the dials. Right. They contracted it out. So of course, like anything, they want to differentiate themselves from everybody else. So they would, a lot of great American watch dials were made over in Switzerland back then by the European masters and you see some great stuff that they, you know, it looks like, oh, it's a Waltham, but it's made over in Switzerland. Turn it over in the back, it's a sterling piece signed and all that. There's some great, great stuff out there. And one of the tricks is understanding how to restore a watch without, without redoing it. Without, you can't, we don't want to refinish it because you can ruin the value of it unless it's gone, but you can still, a lot of people, I, I like the old look on some, I try to keep an old patina, but I mean, I, I spent a lot of time trying to restore dials Basically, meaning cleaning them up and trying to bring out as much of the much of the art as I could without destroying it, and that 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 was a lot of work. And I and that's one of the things you, I can find an old old dial that looks kind of shitty, but 
I can do things to bring it back to life. And that's that's something that I've that I found where I might find a valve nobody likes and I say, Oh man, that's a so and so, so and so and I'll get it and, and I may not be able to restore it, but if I can it makes a whole big difference on, on something unique. So you've been doing this for a really long time now and and um, throughout your your career, can you tell us what was your favorite piece that you created? Oh man. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's that's like saying which daughter do you I, like? It's hard because yeah, they're all your children. Well, which yeah, one you kids, and I, I kind of like the one that I that I've done more recently because I I worked on it. You know, I did it I did it from scratch and Again, like I said in the beginning, I try to do stuff that I want for myself. So um, I don't know how to answer that. I, I really can't. I, I'm really infatuated with these yellow dolls that I've been making. I know I'm the only person in the world doing it. And that's why I like, you know, these things where you have these super old uh, dials like these. They're sterling silver and they're hand carved and then they made lacquer enameled in. Wow. Yellow. They made swords out of them and suits of armor. Very, very cool stuff. And I like that stuff. But again, wow. I two months ago, I'm not sure I'm going to like it a month from now. There was the uh, there was that um, speakeasy that had that silver dial um, with the the uh, the gear in the second hand. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the ones that stick out to me. I had to look on the website to, to make sure that was one of the engraved dials. But, yeah, that was one of the ones that sticks out to me for sure. Yeah, I, I love those engraved dials. I just love that old – those old yeah. workmanship dials. And, uh, I mean, if, if you go to rpagewatch.com, it's like watch porn. <laughs> like it is, man. It is. That's why whenever Brad showed me, uh, you know, because I'm I'm all over the place in the industry, you know. So I talk to a lot of people, so it, it's hard for me to 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 see everybody. Uh, so he actually just turned me on to your stuff just recently. And I was blown away. Like it, it, going through your site is just like you said. It's just like oh, oh, you know, you're you're in awe by it. like oh, all the stuff that you've created. It's very very cool stuff. I appreciate that. I really do. And coming from people in the industry, it means a lot more to me than somebody saying it just you know thinks it looks good because you guys yeah, know what it you guys know what, the, what it takes to get to where it is. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. And I mean, speaking for myself. I'm not there. Like I look at you, you're on a whole nother level. And I mean, you, I would have to, I would have to say that and I would have to look at it that way because of the artistry, the, and, and you're making this watch. I'm, I felt like I was going through an experience when, when we were going, when we were make when you were making my watch, I felt like we were making my watch because I mean, it was like, I was going through this experience. I was seeing like, okay, here's the movement. This is what we're starting with. And then the cleaning process and then picking out the hands and, and those questions, those detail questions that you asked to make sure it was just the exact piece that it needed to be for me. I mean, the case number, I, I was extremely lucky to get the case number 40 for my 40th birthday. I mean, it's that it's like that, that's the kind of detail that's that took place with my experience. And that's why it's like just going through that experience was was beautiful i mean i loved it i saved every one of those pictures that you sent um i, really, I, I, I appreciate that and, and i really enjoy doing that working with people because it, it helps me it it gives me ideas too about how things should be seen from a different perspective not everybody sees everything the same way i just did a watch with my daughter and um yeah. let her pick out the components and that was so much fun because she's an industrial design engineer so you know she's oh, the wow. whole thing yeah, so it's kind of, you know, and, and I really like doing that watch for you because I, I've only made about four of those in my life with the red rotating. And the trick is to oh. to, to break out the sub-dial without ruining the enamel because you have to heat it to get it out. I mean, there's all these processes i got to go through and how many I've wrecked trying to get to that point. Wow. And, you know, yeah. it, it's really a lot of fun for me to do that and to see the process from somebody really 
to be them having part of the whole process and making something specifically for them, which is really a lot of fun. Was the um, was that Elgin with the Romans? Was that the first one you did like that? Yes. That no, I've done a couple. I've done three or four. Some of, I, I did three red ones and a couple with the white. But yeah. again, if I do something, I may not do it again for years because I hate to do. I hate to do. You know. Over. Yeah, I hate to do that. Yeah, you don't want to be redundant. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it, I mean, it helps me to do what I do. If I do the same thing all the time, I'd shoot myself. You know, so. Um, so that, so that, but it inspired me to do something another kind. I'm working on something else with that rotating dial, which I really kind of like. I'm looking at some other, you know, angle, <laughs> angles. Uh -huh. So, um, but it's fun because everything. <laughs> Everything is uh, inspiration, and and now to be the same for you all. When you start doing your stuff, you're going to get inspired from stuff you never thought. You know, all of a sudden, oh yeah, I like that. I'm inspired you to do something. That is one thing that I've noticed. Like as I started to get into, because I don't have a design background or anything. I just I'm a watch nerd. You know, like I like watches. So I, after I started getting into everything, I I have noticed myself starting to like pull inspiration off of things that I normally wouldn't have. Like uh, today, I want to say real quick, happy birthday to Rob Marlinski. He's, he's like been my mentor. He's got me in the industry today is his birthday. So happy birthday, Rob. Um, but hey, Rob. He, he, he told me in the very beginning is like how he did it was he's just started pulling images, pulling, pulling textures, colors and all this stuff. And, uh, so whenever I first started to try to put together a design, I think actually this computer, it was, uh, I pulled, it was something crazy, like 3000 images that I had pulled. <laughs> and, and I started trying to create one watch out of, out of all these images. But now as, as I, I'm going through, like I've noticed that like I catch like the angle of a fender on a car or on a motorcycle and, and you start, the ball starts rolling, you know. Exactly. It's like you know Steve Jobs' backgrounds with calligraphy, and he brought that into a computer because he was into fonts. So yeah. you, yeah. you get inspired by stuff and how one thing can lead to another. That's that's what makes a great anything great creator that he can pull from all different angles and not 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 do anything redundant or not duplicating somebody else's idea. That's really what it's all about. So we're coming up with a little over an hour, so I do kind of want to wrap it up, but I want to ask you one more question. Um, I consider you a very well-accomplished watchmaker. You know, you've been in it, you're fourth generation, like you said, and, and you create awesome, beautiful pieces. What do you feel like you have left to accomplish? Like, what is, what is the next step for you? What do you still have left out there that you want to accomplish and get done? You know, I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I've done a lot of different um, businesses uh, besides watches. And um, I kind of, my, 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 the way I work is that I end a project and then I begin another one. It doesn't, I, I just kind of I fall off a cliff with it. So one day I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to do watches anymore. That's just the reality. And, um, Maybe sooner than later. I mean, I, I, I'm lucky I can still fix because I was I'm, I'm, I just rock climbing, and I had a rock climbing accident a couple of months back, and I broke my finger on my on my right hand, so I couldn't do watches. I was kind of doing so. You know, um, my hobby doesn't my hobby of rock climbing doesn't really work well with watchmaking. <laughs> so um, I don't know if um, I'll do it much much longer, but. As long as I love doing it, I'll do it. The day I don't love doing it, I'm done. I'll just do something else, whatever that may be. Try to warn so, me of that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to. I was going to say, anybody watching or listening, y'all take note because uh, time might be limited. If you want yourself uh, uh, R page watch, you better get in on it now because uh, the man might be closing the shop. <laughs> Or maybe you would enjoy teaching, and I can just come down and you can walk me through the whole process. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not against that. <laughs> I, I probably really enjoy doing a mentoring, like you know, working with somebody's um, other idea and helping them bring something to market. Because I, I like to see um, 
excitement and inspiration by people. And that's the thing that I get it. Because, uh, you know, coming from San Francisco, where I, I spent most of my adult life, there's a lot of artists there. And I was drawing from all these people because I came from a small town in New England. It, was, it wasn't very artistic. But when I got to San Francisco, I just couldn't believe all the very interesting artistic people who were making a living doing it. And it really inspired me that if you really love something, if you put all your energies into it, you can accomplish it. And that, that was inspiring me. Yeah, I think I think after um, doing the Raider, I was thinking, what like where do I want to go with this? And I think what I really want to do is take these vintage cases, um, like some of the old Illinois case. Um, there's a specific Illinois case that I want to do a modern take on, but I mean that's kind of what I'm looking at doing going forward. And I think that's just because of the history of of the American watch industry. So uh, that might be in line with what you might want to uh, do later on, maybe. You don't want you to die. Brad is not letting you go. <laughs> if it sounds like fun, help me in. Brad is going to make it fun till the day that you die. I'll, He's I'll, see, I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going talking. nowhere. No. <laughs> well, you got a great thing going with this podcast. And I'm sure I can tell just from sitting you know, talking to both of you, you're having a good time and it's fun for you all. And oh, um, yeah. that, that that counts. And that's great. You're, you're passionate about what you're doing and you're having fun doing it. And that's all that counts, you know, that you're enjoying it. And if you can make a living at it, you're there, you know. 100%. Absolutely. And, and, that's something that everybody should take note of. You know, if you're not happy, then it's your fault. You know, if you're not happy, change it, do something about it. If you're not having fun anymore, then, then, then go look for something else. Find something that you're passionate about. Um, I wasted a lot of years until I, until I really got into the watch industry and, and, and now I've really found something that I really, really love doing. And I love being a part of the community. I love doing things like the podcast and talking to everybody in the computer uh, in the community and talking to the brand owners like yourself. And, you know, this is my passion now and, 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 and I absolutely love it. So if I quit loving it and it did become like work, then I would probably, you know, want to close up shop and, and look for something that, that really filled me like this filled me. Yeah. yeah. And as you get older, you realize the most valuable thing is you have is your time. And you know, that, that's really something that I abide by. Yeah. And I don't want to waste it. I don't want to waste it on something that I don't love doing. And I'm, I'm sure that you guys don't either. Time waits for no one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I want to thank both of you guys, and I want to thank everybody that tuned in. Brian Coach, Ivan Guy, uh, Sean Buchanan, my brother tuned in for a little bit. I don't know if he's still watching. What's up, Billy? Um, thank all you guys. I'm sorry I didn't get to some of your questions, Brian. Um, some of them were just a little bit too heavy topic. Um but anyway, you know, you can hit me up and uh, and we can talk in the in the community all the time. So um, thank you guys again. Thank you, Richard, for coming on. And uh, we, it was great. I really appreciated it. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> all right. Care. That was uh, taking the time. Thank you guys for taking the time with us. And we will see you all next week. Thank you.